All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 24 and Acts chapter 1. Luke 24, Acts chapter 1. All right, has anyone in here seen one of the Mission Impossible movies? Anybody seen a couple of the Mission Impossible movies? A few people have. How many Mission Impossible movies do you think are out there? Four. There are actually six Mission Impossible movies. It's up there with Rocky, and it's up there with Fast and the Furious, right? They just keep coming out. And then here's, if you're a fan, over the next two years, there's two more Mission Impossible uh, movies coming out. And I love the theme song, dun, 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 dun. Right? We all get that. Now, on this slide, and go ahead to the next one. There's always a scene where your mission, if you choose to accept it, Right? This is your mission if you choose to accept it. It'll self-destruct, whatever. And it always goes that. And then the next slide shows how impossible these missions are. So uh, in one, Ethan can jump from one building to another. Obviously, there's going to be car chases or motorcycle races. This is a bomb exploding in case you didn't think this was impossible. He can ride a helicopter on the outside. Um, and then uh, I like this. This is a skyscraper. And he has these wide receiver gloves that we have, right? And they just stick to the building. And he climbs up. Of course, the battery runs out, and he has to rescue himself. And then he jumps from a hill onto a moving plane, but obviously he can't get a seat. And so he decides he'll fly the plane while on the outside, hanging strong, right? Mission, these are impossible missions that are no way possible, but he completes them. Today, we're going to look at the mission of the church, right? And when you look throughout history, there's a lot of churches, and they have these things called mission statements. Here's the cool part about the church. We don't have to think about our mission statement. It's given to us. It's what we see in Luke chapter 24. It's what we see in Acts chapter 1. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who we worship and follow and serve, gives the mission. The King gives the commands. And so as we read this, I want us to think, look at this mission, and then you're going to feel the weight of the impossibility of this mission. And I want us to see how do we walk accordingly when the mission is so great. All right? So that's what we're going to do. So follow along. We're going to start in Luke chapter 24, and I'll start with verse 44. Luke 24, verse 44 says this, Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, real quick, as we go through, I just don't want to breeze through this. Here's a, a quick point. Did you hear how Jesus said this? Everything written about me. Now, the law of Moses, first books of the Bible, first five books of the Old Testament. Anybody know them? Genesis. Those five books were written by a guy named Moses, really old guy. But those books, Jesus says, are about him. And then you have the books called the prophets. So a few of those, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, all of these prophets wrote years before Jesus was born, and yet Jesus says, hey, they were talking about me. And then you have the wisdom literature, Proverbs and Psalms and Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. And Jesus says, those books too are written about me. You see, this Bible is primarily about Jesus Christ. 
The point of this book points to the glory of Christ. So I want us to be careful. If you come to the Bible as a self-help book, it's not going to work. But there is a lot of help when you see Jesus as King of the universe and in whom we find our purpose and our being and our joy. And when you see that, your life will be transformed. Not a self-help book. It's a book pointing to Christ. And so Jesus tells them in verse 44 all about himself from the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. Then, verse 45, then he opened up their minds to understand scriptures. When you read the Bible, ask God to help you understand his word, and he will. When I come to the Bible, I ask God, God, help me see what I need to see. Help me see what you are trying to communicate. Open up my eyes. Help me understand your word. And then verse 46, then he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. All right, so that's Luke. Now flip over to Acts chapter 1. We're just going to read one verse. That's the end of Luke, and we're going to read the beginning of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you open up our minds and our hearts to hear from you today. Father, I pray that you move. I pray that your spirit is poured out. I pray that you transform us. I pray that you give us a burden for the nations, not just our city. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, real quick. Acts. The first four books of the New Testament are called Gospels. And what that means is they are books about Jesus. Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We spent a lot of time in Luke. We saw what Jesus did, how he was born, how he worked and called his disciples, how he fed 5,000 with a little lunch, how he walked on water, how he calmed the storm, how he healed the sick. We saw how he's crucified, dead, and buried, how he rose from the grave. Right? That's all about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then, after Acts, you have all of these letters to churches. Letters to churches, letters to people. But in the middle of the letters to the churches and the people and the accounts of Jesus, you have this bridge, and that book is Acts. Have you ever wondered, how is there a church in Philippi? How is there a church in Galatia? Acts tells us that. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at the early church. And here's the cool part. It's a chance for us to refocus as a new, young church. We're going back to the first church in Acts. We're going to learn a lot about what we are to be doing. So, as we dig in, number one, we need to believe Jesus is alive. Believe Jesus is alive. I love how Luke, to end his book and to start Acts, goes back to this point. If you saw that in verse 44 and 46, Jesus talking about them, he opened up their minds to understand scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Then in Acts 1 verse 3, it says to them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
And so I want you to understand this, right? The disciples know that Jesus was crucified. He's hanging on a cross. A spear goes through his side. Blood and water flows. He is dead. He's not breathing anymore. And then they bury him, and for three days he doesn't move. But on the third day, ladies are rushing to the tomb to take care of the body, and he's gone. But that's not the end of the story. For 40 days, he's walking around, hanging out with his people. He shows up to one, he shows up to the 12, but Thomas isn't there. And uh, Thomas comes back with the group and says, Oh man, you missed it. Jesus was just here. He said, Man, quit, quit playing. Quit playing. I followed Jesus for three years. I know how crucifixion works. I know he's not alive. Quit playing with me. And then Jesus shows up. And what does he do? He says, Hey, look at my hands. Look at my feet. And then he says, hey, touch it. Right? That's transformational. So Thomas knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus, you really are who you say you are. You really did die, but the grave couldn't hold you. And then he just said, hey, guys, let's just sit down. You know what? Fire up the grill. We're going to have some fish. And he starts eating a meal with them. Like, do you guys understand this truth because this will change your life jesus really lived 33 years he really died he was really buried but the grave couldn't hold him and then for 40 days he's walking around with people they said 500 witnesses that's life transforming truth so now i want to ask you and you guys don't have the benefit of seeing jesus no one in the room has seen jesus He's not walking around earth anymore. He ascended to the Father, where He's reigning and ruling, alive and well. But we haven't seen Him. But do you believe He rose from the grave? You see, Peter, before this time, denied Jesus three times in one night. But what we're going to see in just a few chapters, he is proclaiming Jesus as risen from the grave to the guys who put Jesus to death and could put Him to death. What changed in Peter? I believe he found out Jesus defeated the grave. And if the grave can't hold Jesus, it's not going to be holding me if I'm following him. That is a life-transforming truth. So, here's a little quiz for my high schoolers. This past week, Friday, yesterday, two days ago, we had a speaker. We had a speaker show up. He said uh, there were four B's to be successful. Four B's to be successful. Do you guys remember them? Balance. There we go. Right. So first one, you start. Be yourself. Right. You got to be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. Be yourself. Be confident in who you are. Good. Then he said, be balanced. Right. If you correct somebody and you come off too aggressive, it's not going to go well. You got to be balanced in your life. Um, and then he moved on. He got to the fourth B, and he says, you got to believe in something. Right. You got to believe in something. And he talked about how uh, for good teams, they got to believe the team is greater than the individual. Um, there's a lot of things that he pointed to. But here, this will change your life. And so I want you to think about your own life. Do you really believe Jesus is alive today? Do you believe he's interceding on your behalf before the Father? Do you believe he's sending the Holy Spirit to do his work? Do you believe he knows you? Do you believe he rose from the grave so your sins can be paid for? 
I had a pastor once that said, put it this way. If Jesus died and was buried and he's still in the tomb, nothing matters. Right? There's, there's no hope for us apart from the resurrection of Christ. Nothing matters. When you die, you die and that's it. So live it up now. You, you better have your best life now. Right? Because it's all there is. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 100 years, that's all you get. Good luck. Then he goes on to say, but if he rose from the grave, nothing else matters. If the Son of God was born and lived 33 years, crucified, dead, and buried, and rose from the grave, and is alive and well, there is no more important event than that in history. And I want to know him. And so when Paul says, hey, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, that's what he's talking about. That belief changes how we live. That's a purpose that you can spend an eternity on, knowing and worshiping the risen Savior. Do you believe Jesus is alive? And then, number two, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right? So you, you, he starts with, a, I, risen from the grave, believe, believe this truth, but then he moves into this huge mission, but he says, it's not, based, it's not dependent on you and your ability and your creativity no, stay in Jerusalem until I'm giving you my spirit. Empowered to do the mission. Luke 24, 49, put it this way. And behold, I'm seeing the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Or, as Acts 1-8 put it, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, this is why this is important. If you've ever tried to do something and you're not strong enough, it's frustrating. It's devastating. If you're called to be on mission with God, but you don't have the power to do it, we will not make it. If you try to do this on your own, you don't have a shot. And so I want to show you how big a mission this is, just real quick. And then I want us to understand we're not overwhelmed by the mission because we have the power of God enabling us to live it out. So, just at Holmes High School, there are over 800 students and staff. There are many of the guys that we walk in hallways with every day that know nothing about Jesus. Don't know that he's the Son of God. Don't know that he died for them. Don't know that they can have life in his name. And that's students and staff. 800 people. That's a big mission, isn't it? Over 40,000 people in the city of Covington. Most aren't in church right now. They don't have anything to do with Jesus. They don't know him. How many people we got in here? About 50? 60? We could spend weeks, months, and years trying to saturate this city with the gospel. I would love to one day say, hey, you know what? Every person in Covington has at least heard the gospel once because we're faithful in going. That's a huge mission. Greater Cincinnati area, tri-state area, over 2 million people. But the text says, to the ends of the earth. That's over 7 billion people on the planet right now. 7 billion. That's a huge mission. But what does Jesus do? Jesus doesn't say, hey, you know what? I need you to work real hard. I need you to stay up late, get up early. I need you to go here, here, here. What does he say? Go to Jerusalem and stay there. Why do they have to stay there? What are they waiting on? They're waiting on God's Spirit who will empower them to do this mission. We cannot do it on our own. 
but the mission is possible because of the power of God. And think about it, the power of God. Nothing is around. There is no planet. God speaks and creates. That power is available to us today. The power that spoke and the seas separated and a people walked on dry grounds, the same power we have today. The power that calmed a raging storm is the same power that we have today. The power that gave boldness to the early church and took it to the ends of the earth is the same power that we have today. The power that is enabling the church to explode in China, where it's illegal to be a church, is the same power that we have available today. You see, the mission that we have is not limited because we don't have the power. It's not a power problem. I believe it's an obedience problem. It's not a power issue. It's an obedience issue. Everyone in this room is dependent on oxygen. On average, we take 16 breaths a minute. Right Now I know some of you guys are tempted to get your stopwatch out and see how many breaths you take over the next minute. But that's almost a thousand breaths in an hour. While you're at this church worshiping God, you're going to be taking about a thousand breaths. Why? Because you're dependent on oxygen. Now, do we see the same dependence on God for the mission? What are some things that we should be seeing? Our lives should be marked with consistent prayer, constant prayer. If you're not praying much, you're doing a lot of things in your own power. If you're not dependent on God, you'll see it by how we pray. If you have no burden for the nations, you're doing a lot of things in your own power. And so one thing with breathing, what I know is it's consistent. I'm, yeah, I need that. I need that. And guess what? I'm going to take another breath. here. Well, totally dependent on oxygen. Same way for the mission of God. We are totally dependent on God to move to empower us, to give us boldness, to give us wisdom. So when I'm talking to people, let's say I'm talking with Tuck. Tuck will say he's a new teacher at Holmes. I don't know him from anybody. Before I'm even going up to him, I'm praying as I'm walking up to him because I know I'm going to have a conversation with him. Saying, hey, God, give me wisdom to say the right things to this guy. Help me see his heart. Help me know what to say and when to say it. Give me boldness. So I don't know him. He doesn't know me. And he might think I'm some lunatic if I bring up Jesus. But I want to be bold. And I know this is what you've called me to do. And so I'm constantly praying. Right? Now, I'm not praying out loud. I'm not doing this. It's just as I'm going, I'm praying right now. Right? I think God hears that. I think God answers that. I know he does because he's done so. He's done so throughout history. He's done so personally. He's done so in our churches. So we want to be praying because we're totally dependent on the power of God for the mission of God. This mission is huge. God's power is greater. All right? So empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then I think this is important. Number three, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what? To tell people about Jesus, Luke 24, 48 says, You are my witnesses of these things, Acts 1, 8, but you will see power of the Holy Spirit. It's come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. When's the last time you spoke about Jesus? When's the last time Jesus come up in the conversation? So you've got to decide, are you going to be politically correct, or are you actually going to love people enough to share the good news of Jesus that could change their eternity. Because here's the deal. If I knew Shugs was no idea who Jesus was, right? No idea who Jesus was. Guess what? In a hundred years, it's too late. He will be dead and then separated from Jesus for eternity. But you want to know what? At least I didn't hurt his feelings. At least we didn't have an awkward conversation. I think if we could go back in time, Shugs would say, hey, 
why did you not tell me about Jesus? If we really believe Jesus is alive and we really believe people will spend eternity in heaven or hell, why are we not talking about Jesus? That should be the number one topic of conversation. And here's the cool part. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. So if you're not talking about Jesus, ask God to help you with that. And he'll answer that prayer. All right, and then number four. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell people about Jesus to the ends of the earth. And uh, Luke 24, 47, it says, Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And then Acts 1, 8, You will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now this is very, very important. Right? It starts in Jerusalem, and it just explodes out from there, to the ends of the earth. Where are we? In that, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the ends of the earth, where are we located in that verse? You can't get much further from Jerusalem than where we're sitting right now. We are the ends of the earth. Someone was faithful in sharing the gospel with a person who shared the gospel with a person who shared the gospel who finally got it to us 2,000 years later, miles and miles and miles away to the ends of the earth. Now, it's also very important that the gospel we have received does not stop with us. May the gospel we have be passed on to others. And so, I've got an illustration. I had two guys uh, volunteer their time yesterday. Now listen, very simple illustration, right? It's a ripple effect. And what will happen is this ball will be spiked right up here. You see it, and then you see this ripple, right? And the ripple won't stop until what? Go again. Impact here, this will be Jerusalem. And then the ripples will go all the way until it hits the edge of the pool. The whole pool felt the impact of the ball smacking down in it. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. Here's the gospel message. Go to Jerusalem. When you get the Spirit, take it to the ends of the earth. And guess what? The message and the mission hasn't changed. We still are called to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, I want to show a graphic. Andrew, it's the Unreached People Groups. So people groups, it's not just nations, right? It's people groups uh, that are defined by their own culture, their own language. And there's 7,000 people groups that are unreached, meaning they don't have a church in their community. There is no gospel presence. Right? So I, I want to I think one way, one way to easy to illustrate this. Andrew, can you hand me those M&Ms? All right. So this is one way, though, the illustration falls short, right? There's not a ton of M&Ms in here. Right? And listen, I love M&Ms. I could do these and not share them. Right? But I have all the M&Ms. Right? And I'll say, hey, Jaqueline, you need some M&Ms. Do you have any access to M&Ms right now? No. Right? We don't sell any M&Ms in here. I have all the M&Ms. Right? So why isn't Jaqueline eating M&Ms? She doesn't have any. Right? Well, maybe one day she'll get some M&Ms. But these, these are mine. Right? So something easy, I could do it this way, right? Mike, here's some M&Ms. Can Jaqueline get some M&Ms now? Maybe. If Mike shares. But Jaqueline, 
still hasn't gotten any M&Ms yet. So a better chance if I gave Lachelle some M&Ms. Does Quaylen have any M&Ms? No. Not yet. Quaylen, do you want some M&Ms? Bam. It's crazy how that happens, right? Like this is pretty simple stuff. But here's the point. Now, this is where the illustration falls short. I'm limited. I could pass these out and I run out. With the gospel, I never run out. But I have the gospel. And I'm sitting over here. Oh, I wish Jaqueline had the gospel, but I'm not taking a tour. That's awkward. It's too far. Too expensive. Can't go. Don't know the language. with it. All this other stuff I could say. But I know this. If the gospel doesn't get to her before she breathes her last, there's an eternity on the line. And if we don't do something, nothing will change. And so when you have 7,000 people groups that are unreached and there's no gospel presence, and we're sitting here, guess what? I have the Bible in the ESV translation. Some of you guys have the King James Version. Some of you guys have the New King James Version or the NIV or the NASB. Like we have all these good translations of the Bible. I have copies of Bibles there. We have 40 Bibles at the back table. If you want a Bible, you have access to the gospel. There's hundreds of churches in Covington. You can hear the gospel in a lot of places. But there's certain places you go, zero. They don't even have the Bible in their language. That's a big-time mission. But, man, we got a big-time God. And His power is sufficient. So I want to read a couple of stats. Um, there's the 50 largest unreached people groups that make up 1.3 billion people. Now, I know that's a... What does that mean? That means there's a lot of people that have not heard the gospel, and if we don't do something to get the gospel to them, they will not hear the gospel. Um, let's see here. Jeffrey, Phil, Mike, Jameer, Jaqueline, come on up. Come on up. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you for being brave. Hey, listen, if you sit front and middle, you're going to get called for illustrations. This is it's just the truth, right? All right, so we got five people up here. I was saying the top 50 unreached people groups Top 50 unreached people group. All of these people group, all 50 of them, have over 10 million people. One in five people on the planet live in one of these groups. All right? Jeffrey, you can sit down. Front row, go front row. Front row. Front row. Front row. Jaqueline would live in this people group. Right? In this room, say we have 50 people here for my math part. If we had 50 people, what's one in five of 50? Ten people in this room would live in the unrich people group. Meaning, and one of these just one of the top ten. Meaning, they'll never hear about Jesus if nothing changes. Thank you, Jaquelin. You sit down. Right? So I, I want you to see this picture, right? Because when you say 1.3 billion, you're like, oh, that's things. That's a lot of people. A lot of people that we're called to care for and to be urgent in getting the message for. Um, and then I've got this thing, right? So I got a lot of pennies. As a matter of fact, I have a hundred pennies. Tell you what, Ben, I'll give you how much Christian resources are giving to reach these unreached people groups, right? I'd give them this, a penny, out of the dollar, but it's not even that. I'd have to get something to break this penny up, and it's a fraction of a penny that we're spending on Christian resources that are going to unreached people groups. Now listen, I believe the Bible is super important. And I believe everybody should have a copy. But man, I, I don't know if we're going to buy a lot more Bibles. Because everybody in the room, 
can have a Bible. Everybody in the room can have the app and have the scripture on their phones. But maybe we need to start giving so we can translate this Bible into some languages that people don't have so that they can hear the gospel. Less than a penny on the dollar going to these unreached people groups. And so nothing's changing. It's like Jaquelin, hey, eat some M&Ms, but nobody's helping, nobody's giving. All right, and then uh, finally what I, I want to close with, Andrew, if you'll put that, that picture up. Um, maybe you can't see it, but this will be up after service. You can come up and look and just write down or take a picture of one people group, right? One people group, and I want you to pray for them this week, right? So one group, pray for them. And, and here's the crazy part. And, and this has been on my heart for a few years. When you go to India, so India from here all the way down to here, and these four, one country. I mean, you got over a billion people living in that country. Most of them are Hindu or Muslim. They're not hearing the gospel. I'm thinking, how in the world can Redemption Church in the city of Covington make an impact there? I don't know. I'm praying. And I, and I know God will show up and God will move in power. And so I want you to join in praying with me for the nations. Because this is what I know. God gives the Holy Spirit so that we will be His witnesses to the ends of the earth. So before all of that, though, it starts with the question we first asked. Do you believe Jesus is alive? Do you believe He rose from the grave? If not, maybe you need to make that decision this morning. Maybe you haven't been faithful in the mission God's given us. Maybe you need to spend time praying to God about that. Maybe you want to tell people about Jesus, but you're not bold. Ask for boldness today. Maybe you want wisdom in your conversations. How to build bridges to get to the gospel. Ask God for that today. Maybe you want to learn about a people group and you want to go to the nations. You want to figure out how to do that. Ask God how to do that today. But I know this. This is His Word and He is faithful and He is moving and He is strong. Whatever God is leading us to do, let's do business, let's do work, let's pray now. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to close in a song today. Um, I'm going to pray. They'll come up and play, and then we'll be dismissed. But let's not forget the mission we've been called to. And then let us be faithful in going. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the mission that you've called us to. Thank you for giving us your spirit to empowering us to be witnesses of you. Wherever we go, I pray that we fill Holmes High School and Middle School up with the gospel that every student hears about Jesus. I pray for this city, that we saturate uh, this city, that every resident at least hears the gospel once. I pray for this tri-state area. I pray for Walton, Verona, and Ludlow, and Bellevue, and Dayton, and Newport, and Cincinnati, and, and all the cities in between that your people are taking the message urgently to the lost. And then, Father, I pray that you lay countries on our hearts, that we don't just shrug our shoulders about the lost in India and the lost in Pakistan and the lost in Indonesia, but that we start learning about a country and we start giving so that they might be able to hear the word. So, Father, I ask that you move. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.